0: The first lesson is from the 7th chapter of the book of Revelation, beginning at the ninth verse. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb and all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, sir you are the one that knows then he said to me these are they who have come out of the great ordeal and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb for this reason they are before the throne of god and worship him day and night within his temple and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them they will hunger no more and thirst no more the sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, as I've told anyone within earshot about a 1,000 times, I've been reading the Chronicles of Narnia with my kids. We just finished. We just read The Last Battle. And it's this incredible scene where there's this darkness and gloom that has just been cast over almost the entire book. And right when it gets to its darkest, and they're thrust into the shed where they think they're going to meet a demon or death, or both, all of a sudden they're in the remade Narnia. And shortly they are in the presence of Aslan himself. And as they all enter in and they begin to wonder where it is that they are, and they notice that everything just feels more vivid, more real, one of the talking beasts says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up. Come further in." This little line, I think it's said by a unicorn, is actually the core of Lewis's lifelong project, which is an attempt to capture in words the feeling of what he termed Zenzucht, The Germans have all the best words that mean things to them, and the rest of us are just left scratching our heads. But Zenzucht is this feeling of joyful longing. It's the feeling of having been born in the wrong place. It's the feeling you get when you go home and you visit, if your parents are still in the home you grew up in, you visit your childhood room, and it's just not really yours anymore. Lewis says in another place that Perhaps it has sometimes happened to you in a dream that someone says something which you don't understand, but in the dream, it feels as if it had some enormous meaning, a lovely meaning, too lovely to put into words, which makes the dream so beautiful that you remember it all your life, and you're always wishing you could get back into that dream again. That's what this feeling is like. As we enter into the Feast of All Souls, we are faced not simply with our own mortality, though our eventual death is unavoidably on display here as we remember those that have gone on before us. But I believe that the Feast of All Souls is also in many ways a feast of Zenzucht. It's a feast of this feeling of of painful joy, where all of our longings for something beyond our ability to describe, this feeling as though we were born in the wrong place, to feel oddly not at home when we return to the place of our youth, to have buried somewhere inside a sort of sadness, this yearning for somewhere else. I think it's all on display for us here as we pause to consider the saints and souls that have gone on ahead of us. As St. Paul says to the Ephesians, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. There is a fulfillment coming of which we have only been given the down payment, the seal of promise, which is the Holy Spirit. And all of this painful gladness that we feel in rare moments, the stab of joy, the happiness that makes us want to cry, if we allow ourselves to sit with it, we'll realize that it is pointing us toward this otherworldly home, To a joy that is beyond the walls of the world, as Tolkien wrote. And what we believe here is that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of our desires. All of that longing. He is our true home. He is the joy that meets us from beyond the world. But he meets us. He doesn't just sit back waiting for us to come. He enters into the brokenness of our self centeredness and frees us from our imprisonment and shows us the way of freedom in self forgetfulness. And so, what I want to say to you this evening is I realize that it feels dark. And I know specifically for some of you, life is not easy right now. And having faith is not easy right now. For many of us, life is filled with sorrow and pain. And tonight, what I want you to remember is that even for that, it is still shot through with beauty. And tonight is a night to remember that beauty and to take courage from those who have gone before us the white-robed martyrs who have won the crown of life, the apostles and prophets and fathers and mothers and emperors and slaves who held fast the faith that Jesus Christ is the king of the world and he is the source and fulfillment of all of their longings. Tonight, I tell you, hear the roar of their crying. Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Hear the melody of their song. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. All Souls is not a feast for the perfect. It is a communion of those being made perfect with the perfecter of their faith. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, not people who have never stumbled or faltered. Go ahead and read through that list in Ephesians. It's the great cloud of witnesses. And then go back and read about their lives. These are not perfect people, but they are people who fixed their eyes on Jesus in the midst of trial and their own failure and who placed their hope in his goodness. And so tonight, as we feast, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen